This is Eric Corey, and thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Now, what you're about to hear is something you have not heard before. It's that different story thing that the title of my podcast promises. Now, on the eve of perhaps the most important election of our time, it's important that you get a different perspective on voting in this election than what you have been hearing everywhere else. Because voting is the single most important obligation of every citizen of this country. You see, in this 2020 election, those who seek to impose a more restrictive form of government are more overt in their efforts than ever before. Since the end of World War II, the enormous worldwide positive effects of capitalism are hard to argue, even though many do. The highest level of ignorance is displayed by people who hold a smartphone in one hand while sipping a Starbucks latte in the other, walking around in their $100 Nike sneakers and sporting a smartwatch that monitors their heart rate, all while decrying the evils of capitalism. Be that as it may, I, I truly celebrate their ability to espouse such beliefs. And while it seems blatantly ironic to me that these people are only afforded this opportunity because of the freedoms granted under our current form of government, I still recognize your constitutionally protected right to do so. You see, since the end of that war, there has always been a small contingent of people who live in this country who take advantage of all of the state-protected liberties and prosperity that capitalism brings, yet still believe that it's socialism or some other form of communism that offers a better life for us all. Now, there are several highly organized groups in this country that have been around for many years who actively promote communism and socialism in various forms. Now, I don't really want to spend too much time explaining the difference between the two and their respective pros and cons. Just know that they exist and that a certain percentage of this country's population feel as though these principles are more fair than the capitalistic model that has been in place since our inception. Now, they primarily use this fairness argument to promote their cause. But the problem with fairness is that it is nothing more than an illusion. Because to make fairness work, you must first decide who decides what is fair and what is not. And that is an impossible task and nothing more than a parlor trick used to dupe the dupable. But all that aside, they have their rights and their followers. This year, they will field candidates that, if elected, would work to implement these ideals and philosophies. And while most of what they propose would not pass our current constitutional muster, if enough socialist-minded people are elected to public office, they would be able to amend our Constitution to allow for these changes to be made. There are many of us who believe that we have been slowly moving in that direction over the last 70 years. With the implementation of many of the social programs that effectively shift money from the working people in the form of income taxes, and give that money to people who do not financially contribute into the system. Because we are a prosperous nation and have the ability to do so, we do help the less fortunate, the downtrodden, and the otherwise disenfranchised citizens. Although I can't say I know exactly what disenfranchised means. But I get it. We are a benevolent nation, spreading our prosperity in order to make all the world a better place. And we have for decades. We've helped other nations financially as we help our own, all in an effort to raise the standard of living for all the people of this planet. But we must be honest with ourselves. The reason we do so is because of the incentive of monetary gain. And without that incentive, none of these acts of altruism would be happening. You see, 
for me, it's always been about one thing, money. Forget the old adage, follow the money, and understand that it's always about the money. Always has and always will be. Because regardless of the topic, if you boil it all down to its lowest denominator, you will find that all battles are always about the money and the acquisition of the power that comes with it. Because, you see, power and money is just like time and space. They are one and the same. You know, I can never get my mind around the time-space continuum thing until I likened it to its similarity to power and money. With money comes power, with power comes money. You will never see the two as separate. And without the incentive of financial gain, American business would have no reason to go into another country to capitalize on the natural resources found there. And many of this nation's detractors point to this as a bad thing, that we only exploit the people of the world, pollute their environments, and take the resources to make money. And it's a reasonable argument. But we must understand that in the past, Powerful nations like the United States would simply send in our army and take what we wanted at the point of a gun. And we would leave nothing behind but scorched earth for the few indigenous people that we let live. Just the way that it's been done since the dawn of man. But since we are the United States of America, we have promised for ourselves and the world that this behavior is prohibited by the laws that we as a nation hold as our highest principle. And if we were to have any worldwide authority or credibility, it is through this display of a civilized people intent on spreading the fundamental rights and freedoms that breathe the prosperity that we have experienced here at home. At the core of these laws is the recognition that all human beings are endowed with the absolute right of free will bestowed upon our species by a higher power. Now, officially, we call that power the creator, but we make no absolute distinction as to who or what that is only that it exists. And the laws of humanity are clear that all humans are created equal under that authority. The United States of America, for the first time in the history of mankind, has shown that the implementation of such laws authorize the rights of liberty and the freedom to pursue capitalistic gains. These laws have brought about prosperity that has placed this nation as a shining example of the success of these fundamentals and I dare anyone to show me anything to the contrary. Now, there will always be abuses to any system because there will always be bad actors. You see, we, we are forever bound by the failings of the human condition, forever bound by the natural inclination for the survival of the fittest. Things like greed and lust and envy, the quest for material possessions, well, they're just a few of the things that make us uniquely human. And evil people will always exist regardless of the level of advancements in technology we achieve because we are only still human and still subject to those failings. These failings will always be part of the world around us, but they cannot be used to undermine what has been demonstrated throughout the world a billion times in a billion different ways. And that is that liberty, freedom, and free market capitalism is brought about only by this unleashing of the human spirit in the pursuit of monetary gain, and that this unleashing has brought about more prosperity in the last 250 years than the previous 200,000 years combined cannot be argued. That there are those who would dispute these facts is difficult for reasonable people to comprehend, and that they still exist only means that we have to do more to make the argument that this form of government is far superior than anything that has been tried in the past. 
History gives us thousands of examples of the failures in previous attempts at various forms of Marxism or socialism or communism. And these examples are as obvious and inarguable as are the successes of the constitutional principles of these United States. Principles that ignorant minds seek to end. Now, I always try to see both sides of any argument so that I can be honest with myself and others in my assessments, but this one, man, I just can't wrap my mind around. A platform to increase the reach of government through higher taxes, to nationalize the entire healthcare industry, and to openly call for the ending of 99% of our nation's energy production? Well, that's socialism in its purest form. In this upcoming election, the two major parties provide this stark contrast of promoting unfettered capitalism versus the slow encroachment of socialism. But the most beautiful part of it all is that the people will decide. This American experiment is an experiment that has yielded such amazing results. These are results that are far greater than anything that the scientists who created this social work of art could have ever imagined. For me, this is a source of my confidence that our system of government will survive these challenges. And while some inroads will continue to be made, attempts at limiting any of these unalienable rights will ultimately fail once their inevitable failure is felt. Again, man, I can point to a million examples of how these inroads have already been made and how they have depleted our liberties and freedoms and contributed to the failures in our system. But that doesn't mean the system is flawed. It is only the flaws of the human condition that create these failures. So I am forever the optimist. I'm exceedingly confident that these truths will be self-evident and that the majority of the people of this nation will see the obviousness of it all. And now, with your indulgence, I would like to make a few suggestions as to how this obviousness can be made obvious to those who cannot see it. Number one, and most importantly, you need to vote. And not just you. Drag four or five of your friends or family members to the polls on Election Day and make sure that your voice is heard and amplified. Because you can be sure that those who wish to implement a different form of government in this country will be doing the same thing. This is not something to be taken lightly or for granted. The architects of our nation's constitution were, above all, historians. And they crafted a form of government that was designed to avoid the previous failings of democratic societies. That's why this country is not a democracy. It freaks me out every time I hear someone say that we're a democracy. We are not. Because, as Ben Franklin once eloquently pointed out, that democracy is two wolves and one sheep voting on what to have for dinner. We are a representative republic. And if you don't know what that means, you need to look it up. The creators of this representative republic put in place many fail-safe measures to assure its survival. But the single most important measure is the complete participation of the electorate, every citizen of this country voting. I am convinced that it was unimaginable to these great minds that a time would come where the citizens of this country would become so complacent that they would take a pass on election day and elect instead to give up that right. Now, this is the flaw in their system, and it is the one thing that can bring it all to an end. Just like in that first Star Wars movie, there's this one very small opening in the Death Star that, if properly targeted, would blow us all to smithereens. And that small opening is the failure of people to vote. The number of people who don't vote is staggering. 
It's not so much the actual number of people that don't vote. It's the lack of influence that they choose not to exert. Now, during a presidential election like this year in 2020, only 60% of people who are eligible to vote will actually vote. Now, that's not registered voters because not all eligible voters register. And I want to make it clear because here's the part you need to understand. This anticipated turnout of 60% is perfectly split. Now, this means that 40% of the population is not heard on election day. A majority of the people in this country that is far greater than either of the major parties can muster. That's the staggering part. A majority of this country is not heard on election day. And the overwhelming influence that they wield is wasted and lost. Many years ago, I taught in an adult education program at a local community college. It was vocational stuff. I was always asking the students about their level of interest in politics and their voting habits because I wanted to know. Now, this was all pre-Google days, but most couldn't even name any of their elected officials beyond the president. So, in an effort to motivate these young people to vote, I, I prodded the kids with a question, and I put it in this form. I said, now, you all make about $500 per week, and about 110 of that you don't get. Where does that money go? Silence. And I'm like, wait, why? You give $450 per month to somebody, and you don't know who it is? Now, I don't know how effective that was, but I couldn't pass on the opportunity to inform the uninformed and to help everyone understand the importance of being politically involved in voting. But then this got me thinking. You know, not everybody pays the same amount of taxes, but yet we all get just one vote. Let me give you an extreme example of what I'm talking about. Name any highly paid professional sports athlete. Now, these men and women are earning enormous amounts of money each year. And each year, they are paying an incredible amount of taxes, millions upon millions of dollars each year, each one of them. Now, compare that to the average American. Well, first, you should know that more than 40% of the American population pay no income tax at all. But, but that aside, for the rest of us, we pay, in round numbers, about $10,000 a year in income taxes. Now, that varies greatly, but for the sake of this discussion, let's use that number. What I hope you will see is how this pales in comparison to these highly paid athletes and movie stars and rock stars and other various uber-earning celebrities. They pay millions to your thousands and still only get one vote. I've always had this great idea that I can enlist these people, these high-dollar celebrities who contribute so much financially to the country, to use their enormous influence and come together to rip the heart out of the politicians who piss away all that money every year. Because I guarantee you, if that was an agent for one of these highly accomplished individuals that was taking their money and blowing it on personal gain, that they would have them drawn and quartered if such a thing was still legal. The terms waste, fraud, and abuse have lost all meaning and now sound like nothing more than a cliché. But there's no better way to describe it, so I'm stuck with calling it for what it is. It's been happening for decades, and now, even in the bright light of day, anyone with eyes can see it or a computer can look it up, and yet we all act like it's not there, like it's not happening. When in reality, it's happening on a biblical scale. But all I ever hear from the overwhelming majority of this group of obscenely paid individuals is what's politically correct, so as to protect their brand. Oh, they try. They're just not as good at politics as they are at maximizing their God-given talents. If they could put their political ideologies aside and use their oversized influence to compel their adoring public to not only vote, 
but to vote in support of capitalism. The same capitalism that they have exploited to its greatest potential. I would only ask that they look past their own bank accounts and understand that for the majority of us, that waste and fraud and abuse that they condone with their silence has such a detrimental effect on those of us who are still struggling to achieve that same success. This is Eric Corey. I hope you just heard a different story. Thank you for listening.